0: It's TechBiter Worldwide for the week of March 9th, 2008. I'm Bill Blinn with an hour's worth of technology news in far less than an hour because we leave out the sports, the jingles, the weather, and the commercials. And this is the weekend of the Great White Death in Ohio. If you're in Ohio, you know what I'm talking about. If you're listening in, oh, say, for example, Southern California or Australia We're in the midst of a blizzard. First one we've had in probably a couple of decades in Ohio. Earlier today, I wasn't able to see even across the street. The snow was coming down that hard. There are drifts I can see now, since I can see across the street. Oh, looks like maybe three feet deep on top of some vehicles. And for the first time in about 12 hours, I am able to see the road in front of the house because the plow has been by. And, of course, the central Ohio media are going crazy about the great white death that you have to rush to the store, even though you're supposed to stay off the roads, and bring back bread and milk. I've never quite figured out why you're supposed to bring back bread and milk. I mean, if you run out of bread or milk, what's the big deal? If you run out of beef and beer, problem. So when you make a run to the store prior to the bad weather, Bring back some beef, maybe some cheese, a little wine, and some beer. Lately, I've been having a case of what I would call déjà vu. Maybe you remember Windows Millennium Edition, ME. Heavily promoted at the time when it was introduced. But within a couple of years, Microsoft admitted it was a bad operating system. In fact, one Microsoft employee told me that it was the worst operating system That Microsoft had ever developed well the feeling of deja vu that I have concerns Vista as much as I like Vista's arrow interface and some of the operational features of the operating system Vista's sharp edges continue to cut me frequently you know that I have been undecided about Vista for months hot one week cold the next and I have felt bad about that because I haven't been able to make a firm decision well, it turns out I wasn't alone. A class action lawsuit has brought to light nearly 200 pages worth of internal Microsoft emails in which even those inside the company can't seem to make up their minds. In fact, the emails paint a rather bleak picture of Microsoft. The company comes across as an organization in near total disarray as they stumbled toward the Vista release. But I mentioned sharp edges. Well, here's an example. Last week, I sat down to record the TechBiter Worldwide podcast. After starting up SoundForge, I did a microphone check, as I always do. Something clever like testing, testing, level check. I played that back. The sound was fine. I then clicked the record button and started talking. But then I noticed the volume indicator was indicating zero, no audio. Now, I've seen this several times since upgrading to Vista, because my expensive Sound Blaster Audit 2 ZS is only sort of, kind of compatible with Vista. Creative Labs did release a driver update that enables some of the sound card's functions, but I still lose a lot of the functionality I had under XP. And the worst part is that sometimes recording just doesn't work at all. In fact, I had to redo an entire program once, because I didn't notice that the program wasn't being recorded. It's a problem I never had under XP. Never, not once. Well, after nearly a dozen false starts last week, Vista was able to finally deliver audio from the microphone to SoundForge, and I got the program recorded. But now, during the recording of the program, I check back regularly with the recording console just to make sure a signal is being recorded. The problems with Vista are many and varied. During development and even after Vista started shipping, Microsoft wasn't able to state clearly what the basic hardware requirements for Vista are. Hardware manufacturers seemed not to care much that Vista was approaching. The result has essentially been a slow-motion train wreck. One that I don't want to watch, but one that I can't stop watching because I'm right in the middle of it. Among the 185 pages of text made public as part of a class action lawsuit, there is a post-mortem report by Dell. It's on pages 13 through 26, and you can see the entire 185 pages. There's a link to the PDF document from the TechBiter Worldwide website. The report from Dell cites code instability, a lack of alignment between Microsoft's and Dell's Vista readiness tools used by consumers to assess Vista capability of their machines, a lack of understanding by customers regarding the meaning of the word capable, conflicting information, a lack of time to deal with changes, lack of drivers, late code changes that broke drivers which had been working, ambiguous guidelines from Microsoft, the need for users to obtain hardware and software updates from vendors, and on and on and and on. So let's take just one issue, the meaning of capable. My aging Ford Explorer might be capable of carrying a ton of ready mixed concrete in bags, but that doesn't mean it would be a good idea to try it. When a PC is shown as capable of doing something, this means that it meets the minimum acceptable requirements for running the operating system or the application. A system that is merely capable will be able to boot Vista but the user experience won't necessarily be very good. Arrow doesn't work on low-end machines. Arrow is the flashy new method of displaying graphics on the screen. It doesn't work on low-end machines. And a lack of memory means that the system will be slow because of near-constant disk activity. But even within Microsoft, there was confusion. Senior Vice President for Windows Engineering Steven Sanofsky asked in one internal message, and I quote, Is it true that Vista-ready doesn't necessarily mean aero-capable? The answer, of course, is yes. Vista Home Basic does not include aero, so a Vista-ready machine might be able to run the aero-deficient Vista Home Basic, and it could still be advertised as Vista-ready. Try to upgrade the operating system on that machine to one of the Vista operating system variants with Aero, and it won't run. What happened is Microsoft apparently bowed to pressure from Intel, which wanted to keep selling its 915 graphics chipset. That chipset is not capable of running Aero. Microsoft General Manager John Kalkman wrote that Microsoft lowered the requirements, and I quote, to help Intel make their quarterly earnings so they could continue to sell motherboards with 915 graphics embedded. Kalkman said that was a mistake for Microsoft to have changed its original graphics requirements. And I have to wonder, why did Microsoft think it was more important to placate Intel than to do the right thing for its customers. Jim Alchin, who reports directly to Steve Ballmer, told his staff in an email, We really botched this. I was not involved in this decision process. I supported it because I trusted you thinking through the logic. It is hard for me to step in now and reverse everything again. CEO Ballmer has cited the need to push Vista harder. Sales have been Solid, according to Microsoft, but hardly what Microsoft had hoped for or anticipated. In February, Microsoft dropped the price of Vista to the point that home premium costs less than XP Pro. Now, marketing professionals would question whether price cuts will do much for sales. The product is increasingly viewed as being badly flawed, and people with Vista-capable machines now know that Vista might not run on their machines. Microsoft still has plans to eliminate XP as an OEM option by the middle of 2008, so consumers will have a choice between Vista and Vista. Or maybe they'll have a choice between Vista and Apple's OS X. Or between Vista and the open source community's Linux. You know, the best way to kill a bad product is to lower its price and advertise it really well. The email said, let us buy you a Vizio 52 inch plasma HD TV. Why did I have trouble believing that that was a valid offer? Well, the first clue is that the address it claims to come from is ptp at xxhgh.plankacalvin.com. The second is there was some small print at the bottom of the message that said it wasn't valid in Ohio. Well, you already know the drill. Typically, I'm going to want to know where the link is going to send me. There was a graphic that showed several different links. There was a link for where I could go if I wanted to take them up on the offer. There was a link that I could go to if I wanted them to stop sending me messages. Both of those links went to the same place. You might wonder, as I did, where is a Plankacalvin.com? Well, it's in the Netherlands. The website told me that they had a product test panel. All I had to do was join up and I could get all sorts of things, really neat things, for free. I could get a Sony VAIO computer. Instead of $1,299, it would be free. I could get a Canon 30D digital camera instead of fourteen hundred dollars it would be free i could get a samsung 42 inch widescreen television not 1199 dollars, but free and membership oh well that would be free too membership is free and you will never be required to pay for evaluation products remember as a new member you are guaranteed to receive at least three products to review within your first 90 days of membership All we ask is that you complete a short user survey, and the products are yours to keep, free of charge. Sure they are. Producttestpanel.com Perform a Google search on that term. You'll find a lot of comments, like this one. First off, PTP isn't like gratis. There are no referrals. Secondly, at the time I signed up, the sponsored offers were very reasonable. To get my gift, I had to sign up for AOL, eFax, and some kind of skin cream, some type of diet pill, and get DirecTV. Total out-of-pocket expenses, $160 plus $60 a month for DirecTV. I later canceled DirecTV, but I used it for a while. I figured I needed some sort of TV. Might as well get a free laptop. I saw the new sponsored offers, and it doesn't seem like you can get any gift without spending something like $1,500 out of pocket. And for that price, you might as well just buy the product. So I guess I must say PTP is now a scam. That's one of the more polite messages about PTP. So rule number 1A continues to apply. If the offer seems too good to be true, it probably is. Nobody's going to give you an expensive digital camera, computer, or anything else worth $1,000 or more for free. You receive a message like that, you follow the links at your own financial peril. In nerdly news, dumb and dumber meet the RIAA and the MPAA. Both the Recording Industry Association of America, that's the RIAA, and the Motion Picture Association of America, the good old MPAA, have done their best to demonize online sharing of music and video. But the simple fact remains that free advertising provided by peer-to-peer networking continues to do more good than harm, despite what they want to think. For example, the MPAA says that online sharing of video is destroying the industry. For an industry that is being destroyed, you might find it odd that the MPAA's website notes that in 2007, box office sales hit new all-time highs, both in the U.S. and around the world. Online sharing is really destroying the industry, isn't it? The MPAA's numbers prove that the global market increased a little less than 5% year-over-year year to $26.6 billion. Within the United States, the market was up a little over 5%, just under $10 billion. So explain to me again just exactly how this online sharing is destroying the market. Dan Glickman, Chairman and CEO of the MPAA, says, From the threat and eventual reality of a writer's strike to the global impact of film theft, to concerns over the economy, the film industry faced significant challenges in 2007, but ultimately we got our Hollywood ending. Once again, diverse quality films and the timeless allure of the movie house proved a winning combination with consumers around the world. Hmm. The allure of the movie house... So maybe you see one of those pirated movies in a little window on your computer screen. And maybe you then decide you'd like to see that movie in the alluring movie house. So does movie piracy cost the U.S. economy $20.5 billion annually, or does it increase revenue at the box office? A study by the Institute for Public Innovation suggests that piracy is responsible for the creation of 45,000 new jobs in the movie industry. I have no idea how they came up with that figure. I trust it about as much as I would trust the MPAA's figures. Although the overall economy is dealing with more than a $20 billion annual loss, box office sales are up substantially. You're probably feeling pretty bad if you made a mistake and bought an HD DVD unit. That's because Blu-ray won the high-definition format war for DVDs. If you made the wrong choice, well, if you bought that unit from Circuit City, I have some good news for you. You can return an HD DVD player for full credit for up to 90 days from the date that you purchased it. Circuit City says it wants to take care of its customers. You might want to watch for other big-box stores to do the same thing for their customers. Toshiba has stopped making HD DVD players and discs. And Circuit City's Jim Babb says the company will do what it can to help consumers deal with the next generation of disk formats. Sony won the battle because it didn't want to be handed another Betamax-like defeat. Betamax lost out to VHS in the 1980s when consumers voted with their wallets for the technically less adept but cheaper VHS. This time around, Sony Pictures, Walt Disney Company, Warner Brothers, 20th Century Fox all selected Blu-ray. Well, the good news is that the decision has been made for you. The bad news is that you have a dead player if you bought the wrong device. And that describes more than a million consumers worldwide. Circuit City says it will extend its usual 30-day return policy to 90 days for HD DVD devices, That policy is for players only, though, not for the discs. If you already own an HD DVD player, you might want to keep it, though. The players work with existing HD DVD discs. There are not going to be many more of those. They also improve playback for standard DVDs, though. So, for that, it might be worth keeping. And that's it for this snowy weekend in Ohio. Thanks for listening. This has been TechBiter Worldwide for the week of March 9, 2008. I'm Bill Blinn. Check out the website, www.techbiter.com, and you can send an email from there. Thanks. Bye-bye.